Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, I was almost falling asleep there. <laughs> I was staring out the window. I was staring out the window and wondering, haven't we suffered enough? Jeez, it's May 11th. Damn it. So, hi, how are you? It's uh, May 11th. It's a dreary, cold, blustery spring day here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in this wonderful year of 2020. And uh, I'm Lynn Cullen, still live, and going to spend the next hour or so with you, um, if you'll have me. Personally, I would not. I'm giving you a fair warning. Although, uh, <laughs> I did wake up and happened upon a very funny thing on Twitter, of all things. Twitter, which is, you know, a hellscape. But, um, well, I'll read it to you. This is a tweet um, that then went on and on and on and on. It, it, it's... Um, it's called a thread, um, and I don't have the whole thing here, but I am just going to share with you this that apparently was posted yesterday, Mother's Day. Happy belated Mother's Day, by the way, to you. At uh, 5.20 uh, p.m., and it was tweeted by a gentleman named Kevin Horn who is described in his uh in his profile as obviously an extremely Penn State uh Penn State fan. I mean he's one of he, crazily Penn State, Penn State, Penn State all over, but he's also a um it says he's a uh what do you call that? When you're um a legal defender. That's not quite right, is it? So he represents, he's an attorney who represents um, indigent uh, clients. And uh, he lives around here. Well, specifically, he lives, uh, it appears, in uh, Cranberry or thereabouts. Uh, for those of you who are not from around here, Cranberry is a, um, a, an exurb. Um, I wouldn't call it a suburb. It just seems too far away. And um, I believe it is not in uh, Allegheny County, where Pittsburgh is, but is just across the border into the next county, which I think is Butler. And people often, uh, I guess, buy property there, buy their homes there, to save on some... Um, property taxes, I guess. It is heavily Republican, Trump country. And here is, I avoid it like the plague. I only zip by it on my way to uh, points west on the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike. Um, so here's what I read after I um, awoke. Kevin Horn. 520 yesterday afternoon. I am about to witness a full-on riot 
at the Cranberry Olive Garden. Suburban Karens, Karens being um, what a lot of black people call uh, white women of a certain kind. Um, I think suburban Karens would have been called um, a decade or so ago uh, soccer moms, okay? So um, he writes, Kevin Horn writes, suburban Karens with husbands who are the CFOs of mid-sized floor tile companies. Okay, I'm going to back that up because when I hit that, that's when I, I lost it. So he is saying he is sitting, waiting for an order at a suburban, well, a cranberry olive garden. And he says, suburban Karens with husbands who are the CFOs of mid-sized floor tile companies versus the staff of Olive Garden, which is 90 to 120 minutes behind order time. I'll report back. And boy, did he ever with pictures. It is it was the most hysterical thing. Um, he reports back eventually that uh, it turns out that uh, rumor has it that they've run out of breadsticks. Then they've run out of, uh, of salad. And he has a picture of some uh, some poor young woman who's obviously one of the employees of this Olive Garden. Um pulling lettuce out of her car that she had run off to the nearby giant eagle, I guess, to to get. And there are carloads of enraged people waiting for uh, their dinners, which is why he initially describes the scene as, uh, a, a, I'm about to witness a full-on riot. People's tempers were frayed. There are pictures of <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing ever. I'm sorry. And I and his description of um I mean this is worth a Pulitzer. Suburban Karens with husbands who are the CFOs of mid-sized floor tile companies. That's who he he that's the characterization of the people all sitting in their suburbans, you know, with with uh smoke coming out of their ears. Very, very funny. Um, and uh, from the comments that I, that I read, um, he, he made an awful lot of people laugh. Um, then I, I later read that there was, in fact, police called <laughs> to not this Olive Garden, but to the Red Lobster on McKnight Road, which is also in a um, a northern suburb closer to Pittsburgh than of, of of Pittsburgh, and the pictures from the Red Lobster on McKnight Road around dinner time last night are amazing. I mean, it's. Tons of people not doing social distancing, and I rate as holy hell. And it uh, it turns out that uh, in fact the police ended up being called. 
the Red Lobster ended up having to just close down, tell people, we're sorry, we simply can't, we can't fill your, your orders. Um, so what the hell? <laughs> I, I think there's something very funny here. And of course, it's because it, I mean, it didn't happen to me, but I got news for you. I wouldn't be going to an Olive Garden or a Red Lobster on Mother's Day. Um, but apparently a lot of people uh, had wanted to pick up exactly that uh, for Mother's Day. And there was an extraordinary rush. I think Mother's Day must be one of those days where uh, restaurants do a bang-up uh, business. Um, and, well, what, what? You do a bang-up business. And, uh, and they simply, you know, given the fact that doing, preparing takeout orders is not the same as 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 staffing your restaurant in the usual manner. I'm also quite certain that they don't have the full staff. And oh my God, the cops were called. The the concern being that you know some of these people were going to truly lose it. And we do know that in these times, people are losing it. Um. For for you know seemingly nothing, but it'll you know whatever the the um, straw that breaks the camel's back is that right? Is that the phrase? I guess so. Anyway, if any of you were uh, at the Red Lobster on McKnight Road yesterday or the Olive Garden in Cranberry, and uh, you actually uh, walked away with some food, uh, congratulations. Um, apparently, that's something. You know, years and years and years from now, uh, you'll be able to tell your grandchildren um, the story. It'll sort of be like, you know, having been at Forbes Field when, uh, you know, Mazeroski hit that uh, extraordinary home run. Right? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, and Ed sends me this. I saw this, too. Um, this was happening all over the country. Uh, an ice cream shop in um, in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, uh, opened, uh, reopened, and had the same kind of crush of people uh, coming at them and uh, enraged customers screaming at the staff. One poor girl who would worked there for uh, some time managed to get through her shift and then and then quit, said, that's it. I can't do this anymore. Um, the owner of this ice cream parlor said it was one of the worst experiences um, in his 19 years of, of owning that shop. Um, and these are people losing it because they can't get their ice cream cone. Now, I suspect what that means is that people are um, experiencing quite a bit of stress. And some people are handling it uh, okay. And others are, uh, are not. And increasingly, others are not. So um, I can't imagine. I can't, 
I can't. Every once in a while, I try to project myself uh, six months from now. And six months from now, I'm seeing, you know, the fears and concerns of the flu season coming on and a resurgence of, or, you know, resurgence that might never have uh, left. And yeah, um, man, uh, it's a little scary that so many people do not have um, coping uh, mechanisms. And uh, because of that, they... uh, you know, potentially endanger endanger all of us. Uh, oh, speaking of people, you know, getting food wherever they can, I came across this. Maybe you've seen it, but I, I just wanted to spread it a little further because, oh no, the dog's here with that big bone and he's going to drop it. I know. Um, yeah, I don't want it. Thank you. I don't want. <laughs> He's literally. I think. Um, so uh, I'm sorry. This is one of the trials of uh, of doing this at home. Have you seen all those like weather uh, forecasters, meteorologists, television guys, who are doing their their uh, TV duties from their basements in their home, and and their pets. There it goes. And their pets, dogs, cats, whatever, have become like major parts. And in fact, of, of the forecast, and in fact, probably have yes, have added to it. And if this were, um, you know, video, hi, Blue. Um, Blue would be a star by now, wouldn't you, sweet face? Anyway, here's what I wanted to tell you. Uh, there's a lot of these stories going around about people who are on, um, you know, some kind of a conference call and, uh, they forget to mute their, their phone, uh, while, um, they are either not talking or engaged in, uh, something that they don't want other people to hear. Frankly, it happened to me once a million years ago when I was wearing a uh, wireless mic. Uh, actually, it was for a cerebral palsy telethon. And this would have been back in the 80s. <laughs> and I had a, yeah, a, you know, a battery pack on me and, and, and the, so that I could move around in the studio during, during the telethon. And I had, um, because it's a telethon, it goes on for a long time. I had a uh, reason to uh, you know, have to go to the bathroom. And uh, so I did. And uh, thank God it didn't air. But the engineers up there who are monitoring, you know, uh, stuff, uh, they were treated um, to my going to the bathroom. And then at least... Um, I mean, I'm sure they love telling me about it, but at least I learned my lesson um, with that. But this uh, story, and then, of course, there's the Supreme Court, the toilet flushing thing you've heard about. Um, But this involves Senator Joe Manchin of our neighboring state of uh, West Virginia. And he was on some... Sorry, I just had to kiss my dog. He was on some kind of a conference call with other uh, Senate um, Democrats. Um, And this was, I'm not sure what it was about, but all of a sudden the other Senate Democrats hear 
Here Mansion, or God damn it, uh, Here Mansion ordering at an Arby's drive-through. What did Senator Mansion order at the Arby's? I can't believe where people eat. I haven't stepped foot in a Red Lobster, an Olive Garden, or an Arby's in 500 million years, but to each their own. Senator Joe Manchin, who has the uh, wherewithal to uh, probably eat at a better place, uh, was heading through the drive-thru while conducting national business, ladies and gentlemen, and so all the other senators hear him ordering a King's Hawaiian Fish Deluxe sandwich. I hate to even think of what's on that. King's Hawaiian Fish Deluxe. Um, he didn't have a clue that anybody heard all this. He later, uh, after downing the King's Hawaiian Fish Deluxe sandwich, he saw text messages uh, from his staff uh, saying things like, Senator, Senator, <laughs> mute, <laughs> mute, mute, Senator, everybody heard that. And um, anyway, Manchin, Manchin then said, hey, man, they were just jealous because it is a big, huge piece of fish and it has a big slice of cheese. <laughs> What's Hawaiian about that? Putting cheese on a fish. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Doug writes, we tried to order, oh, you were, you're lucky. We tried to order on Olive Garden and I couldn't even get onto their website. Well, yeah. So stop and think about it. First of all, they're not used to taking orders for takeout that much. They're, they're desperately trying to fill all these orders of people who I can't imagine. They were totally overwhelmed. Um, my sister-in-law, Doug reports, <laughs> ordered from the Cheesecake Factory, and her order was two and a half hours late. And the police were there, too, directing traffic. Okay, so, yeah, geez, the cops yesterday were you know, really kept busy at, um, at all these franchise food places. Doug says they threw in the towel and ordered pizza um, after, you know, finding it next to impossible to get through to any, any restaurant. I cooked my own dinner. It was good. It was fish, too, without cheese, Senator. Um... Oh, Margaret says, how sad that people act like that. I mean, incredible. It's an ice cream cone, for God's sake. Uh, hey, that guy on Twitter rivals John Updike in sentence structure and description and it hits a home run in conveying the scene. Absolutely. And, I mean, he was getting such praise. I, 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 if I were to be able to read the whole thread to you, I mean, I could, but 
um, it's hysterical, but it was coupled also with, uh, with these funny pictures. I mean, he had a picture of a woman looking like she was about to commit suicide. And, and that was, that was accompanied by, Oh no, rumor has, is starting to, uh, a rumor's making its way around the parking lot that they've run out of breadsticks. <laughs> so, you know what? I mean, the fact is, is here's a guy stuck in the same ridiculous, um, you know, situation where you have no control. And um, at least he made something out of it. He had fun. And uh, he he ended up with an extremely appreciative audience. Oh, God. Hey, just something else, just to steer clear of this frightening stuff, and it's frightening. Um, I again came across this because, and because I'm, I've interrupted this program a bit for uh, you know because of my animal companion, and I came upon on a column about uh, animals that we have domesticated. Um, and that we've taken into our homes, and 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 how important that has been for human um, human beings throughout our history. And um, I think most people are aware that uh, that dogs were the were the first species to actually form a relationship with human beings. And, you know, if you think about that, uh, I would imagine that the dogs, more than the people, had to have been the making the first uh, attempts. I would think it was the dogs getting closer and saying, hey, hi, because, you know, probably after human food, but... But who knows at some point, uh, and then appearing not to be um, dangerous, uh, but instead um, cute. <laughs> Dogs finagled their way into um, human company long before any other animal. And, you know, the proof is, well, it's written on the cave walls. Uh, that cave in um, in southern France. Uh, recently, archaeologists actually found canine paw prints alongside those of a human child that date back twenty six thousand years. Try to get that timeline in your head. Stop, think about that. Because here we are just 2,000 years after a guy, actually a guy who had a big, big impact on the world, Jesus of Nazareth. After Jesus of Nazareth was walking around. Okay, it's just 2,000 years since then. <laughs> uh, just you know, blink and you miss it. And we think of like that biblical time as so long ago. But this little kid and his dog 
were putting down prints, 26,000 years ago. Not two, 26,000. So dogs finagled their way into our lives long before 26,000 years ago. And human beings were keeping dogs as companion animals long, long before they thought to domesticate uh, livestock like uh, sheep or goats or, or heaven's sakes, cattle. I mean, that didn't happen till like about 10,000 years ago, give or take a millennium or two. And horses, they only came into the picture about 6,000 years ago. Which now seems like, you know, yesterday. Because that was 20,000 years after the dog. These wily little dogs, honest to Pete. The Egyptians absolutely, they loved their dogs. Uh, an Egyptian pharaoh, um, again, long before uh, Jesus, uh, so loved his, his dogs that, he, that all his dogs were given royal burials. And there's evidence of, of all of that. And then somewhere about a thousand years before Jesus, uh, the Egyptians started uh, cooling on dogs and got totally obsessed with cats, which they decided were uh, semi-divine. It was illegal to kill a cat in Egypt. It was also illegal to take one out of Egypt. Um, the first person known to decide that a fish would make a great pet... <laughs> I'm blue. Blues come bearing this horribly uh, loud plastic grenade. Why don't you take that someplace else? Um, goldfish. Yeah, so some... I, God. So China's Hongwu emperor... Uh, ordered the creation of the first fishbowl. This was uh, not until 1369. So that's so. I don't know. As far as we know, how do they know that? That the first, the first person who said, "Yes, see that fish? I want it in a bowl, and I want to be able to look at it swimming around. It'll give me pleasure." Anyway. Uh, Pet ownership uh, in in Europe um, in the early modern era was was a sign of uh, of wealth. Obviously, I mean, if you could afford to feed, uh, you know, more than your family. Cardinal Richelieu had twelve cats. Madame Dubiry, the mistress of Louis the Fourteenth, kept a orangutan and a Parrot. I wonder if they got along. 
Do you say orangutan? I do. You know, like tang, even though there's no G on it. Why do we do that? Or maybe you don't. Orang, because there is a G before orangutan. Orangutan. I don't know. And and the French back then, uh, when they had these animals in in the palace, uh, they didn't bother to you know train them. And so you know visitors walking through Versailles are stepping in you know dog and cat shit. Charles Dickens had a pet raven. His name was Grip. And of course, uh, you know, I mean, we, I'm telling you, it's all I've got. I'm on, I'm by myself here. And all I've got is this quadruped dog. I'd love a cat too, but it's um, too late for that. Anyway, anybody have any more restaurant stories from yesterday? Chuck says restaurants all over the region and likely all over the country had similar issues to the Olive Garden. Yeah, after not being able to place an order in our preferred restaurants yesterday, we settled on Promantis, which also had a two-hour wait. Boy, to Promantis' credit, if you ordered online, they told you when to show up, and indeed mine was ready at the designated time. Well, see, the people from at the Olive Garden in Cranberry, from what I understand, were also told you know, okay, they, you know, you ordered at 3, and they were told, pick it up at 5.30. And they get there at 5.30, and were jerked around uh, for another hour, two, even more. Um, so good for Primantis in that regard. Throughout most of the 1980s, Chuck writes, I worked at various restaurants. And let me say that Mother's Day is the last day you ever want to go out for dinner. (laughs) We'll keep that in mind. On Mother's Day at any restaurant, coronavirus or not, the likelihood that you will leave happy is very small. Complicate that with delivery, curbside, pickup, and you have the makings of a disaster, which apparently happened all over the place. Yeah. Hey, everyone, Chuck says, stay home, cook a couple of steaks. It'll be cheaper and uh, probably taste a lot better. So there you have it. Um, Yeah, um, Aaron says the post, oops, sorry. Yeah, the TV station, I mean, there were TV stations. One of the pictures I saw from the Red Lobster on McKnight Road, um, which did look like it, it could devolve into a riot. Um, I did see TV cameras there. <laughs> well, because I guess if you call the cops uh, or people find, oh, it's funny. It's funny. No, um, yeah, the Post-Gazette did an entire story. Ma- many Mother's Day customers left frustrated as Pittsburgh restaurants are deluged with orders. They won't let me read this because I I am not subscribed. Okay, hell with you. Um, hang on. I'm just trying to navigate. <laughs> I'm 
Margaret, thank you for that. Okay, so, oh, we have a caller, maybe, still. I don't know how long we've been there. Caller, if you're there, hi. Hey, Lynn, good morning. Morning. Hey, I'm glad you uh, started off a, a little bit light today, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll start off by telling you that one of my guilty pleasures in life is going through Arby's drive it through <laughs> and getting a Jamocha milkshake and a Reuben sandwich. They make Ooh. the best Reuben sandwiches to rival any deli sa- Reuben I have ever had. Oh, and I wish you hadn't shakes. told me that. I wish you hadn't told me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they make, they make uh, corned beef, they make turkey Reubens, um, and they're, they're just delightful. So huh. there you go. But having said that, um, yesterday, we uh, ordered from a wonderful little uh, mom and pop type Thai restaurant here in Bloomfield, and their online uh, ordering process was, you know, you pick your selections, you put it in your cart, you pay for it. Instantly sent you sent me a uh, an email saying your order will be ready in 18 to 22 minutes. Oh, so, wow. The, the oh. place is right down the street from, from our house. So I was Wonderful. able to go down, walk in. I was the only place, I was the only person in the place, excuse me. They had the um, all of the takeout orders lined up on the table in front. So I literally, and of course, paid in advance. So I literally yeah. just walked in. You just in, pick it up. Hello and... to the person, pick it up and walk out. They said, thank you very much. I said, you're welcome, have a wonderful Mother's Day, and, and that was it. So it's just, you know, it's just kind of the contrast between something like that compared to, you know. Well, the corporatized kind of chain, uh, yeah, and right. the regular neighborhood, and that is what, that, those are the places you need to go. Get, give them a shout out. What Thai restaurant is it? Uh, it's Thai Gourmet. Right now, there are a couple Thai restaurants. That there are actually three Thai restaurants on Liberty Avenue. In right. This one is called Thai Gourmet. It's down okay. there on Liberty, kind of across from where the old Dells used to be, just on that that intersection of Liberty right. and I forget I forget right. the other street. It uh, is is there. So uh, great food. Uh, it's always been wonderful service when we used to be able to, you know, sit down. Yeah, used to be, used to be. Yeah. Well, you were smart. I'm glad you had a nice dinner, and uh, my God, it'll be ready in 18 minutes. Tell all those people in in the suburbs that, you know, but in the suburbs there aren't as many little wonderful little places like that. That's they're right. They're right. left with all those damn chains. But I right. still wish you hadn't told me about Arby's Reuben. Damn it! What, what, now, 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 before you go, I want you to keep in mind I have very plebeian taste when it comes to food. So, <laughs> listen, who died? Listen, we're all. I, I do too. I I am not a food snob. Never have been a food snob. That's for sure. So, oh, but I love Reubens. I love Reubens. Well, all check right. it out, maybe. If you get Shit. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Uh, I, I do need to... Um, gee whiz. People keep dying. Have you noticed that? Um, oh, 
um, why did I just do that? Oh, um, I was trying to remember what the the last uh, celebrity death that I read about. Oh, it was um, God. Why am I blanking on his um, band, but his his father, Jerry um, Jerry Stiller, the comedian, was ninety two years old. And um, I, I need to note the passing of uh, of Richard Penniman uh, as well. Uh, Better known, of course, as Little Richard. Uh, but we have another caller. Let me get the caller in, and then we'll we'll turn to Mr. Peniman. Uh, caller, hi. Hi, Lynn. It's Dave. Dave. Yeah. Reuben sandwiches are the greatest sandwiches in the world. They are the king of sandwiches. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. I, I agree with you. I love Reuben's. I make them every, every now and then. They've got uh, corned beef um, on um, sale uh, down at the uh, grocery store, and, and I'll buy that and some rye bread and some all the good stuff, and make myself some Reuben sandwiches for a few days. Oh man! Um, now, as far as taking, <clears throat> I, I read the thing this morning and I saw it on the news last night about the restaurants and everybody not getting their food for Mother's Day. Now, about what? Think, about wait? What? What? You read Mother's what? Mother's Day in, in restaurants. Mother's oh, restaurants okay. Last night. okay. Now, taking your mom to her favorite restaurant on Mother's Day, <clears throat> that I understand. That is a nice special thing. But ordering takeout, to me, no, come on. You know what? You're going to eat it at home anyways. To me, that's just being lazy. If you're going to eat it at home anyways, why don't you make your mom a nice meal? Yeah, it'd be better. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be better. <laughs> takeout for me, because I only order takeout when I don't want to cook. Right. Not because, oh, this is my favorite, right? You know, like I say, if you take your mom to the restaurant. That I understand. Ordering takeout, no, that's ridiculous. And I saw that the one people, they're, they're crying about Applebee's. Applebee's for crying. That's like McDonald's as far as I'm concerned. Um, a friend of mine, him and his wife, they were very dirt poor. Well, they didn't have to be, but they kind of went that way. And their one of their biggest wedding anniversaries is they went to dinner at Applebee's. <laughs> well, listen, now you you were just no, let's not be a snob. Oh yeah, I, I mean for some people, given people's budgets, right? Yeah, but when you're 60 years old, you know you shouldn't have an Applebee's. But all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose, I suppose. <laughs> I, I have, day. of my own volition, entered an Applebee's and ordered food. I have. And at, there's not a chain uh, that I haven't at some point, yeah, given well, a yeah, shot. If you just want, you, just want, you know, a, a basic? relatively yeah, a basic cheat meal, you go to Applebee's. You go to Applebee's on your 15th wedding anniversary? No, well, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> So is it a good marriage? It doesn't matter. Is it a good marriage? Actually, you think? It, yes, it certainly was. It was. It's. It. Um. He's gone. Oh, oh, he, uh, sorry. But uh, yes, in fact, uh, it was. Uh, it was a very. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. <laughs> well, so maybe he's eating Applebee's in uh, in heaven. In heaven or wherever the heck. Yeah. He is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. But anyways, you know what? For your mother, for Mother's Day, cook your mom dinner. Don't go get her takeout. Christ there you go. All right. So I want to thank you, Dave. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh dear. 
Okay. What do I have? Oh, yeah, Mr. Peniman. Wow. I mean, you know, some people really change things, and uh, Little Richard really did. Um, and sometimes we learn more about these uh, these folks with who have an outsize, well, in his case, outsize personality, outsize talent, and outsize impact on popular culture. Um, and and the thing I find most fascinating, I mean, I'm not gonna about Little Richard, is I'm gonna call it courage, um, the courage to be who he was. Um, you know, it wasn't like he uh, was trying to figure out how do I make a brand, how shall I market myself. He was who he was unabashedly and at a time when um, gender roles (laughs) were really set in stone and rock and roll was macho music that he would have the, I mean, the chutzpah or the, I guess, honesty, I'm calling it a lot of things, courage, honesty, I don't know, to be who he was, to be, you know, this outrageous, flamboyant, uh, to dress as he did, his hair, you know, 20 feet tall, uh, makeup on his face, um flamboyantly whatever he was sexually he he called himself at various times gay uh omnisexual bisexual i don't know what he would you know but this was not something people were willing to do i mean other than i suppose liberace too but he wasn't black and the impact that this guy had jeez I mean, Bob Dylan wrote in his high school yearbook, I want to join little Richard. And, you know, we look at Prince, what a wondrous being. And his ambisexual image, uh, you know, he didn't have to completely make that up. Little Richard was there before James Brown idolized him. I mean, of course. And you look at, like, who opened for him um, (laughs) at at various times. What, the Rolling Stones opened for him. Um, The Beatles opened for him uh, in the the 60s. And, And he came in and out. I mean, he would, he would get religion and get into gospel and, uh, and preaching. And, uh, I mean, what is just a fascinating, uh, character. Um, I don't know how the hell, I mean, he, he got married at some point. Why the heck would he do that? I mean, he, he became a, in 1977, he became a Bible salesman. 
I mean, he would come in and out of the spotlight. And uh, the, one of the times he just came blowing back in from nowhere was 1992 when uh, there was a, a big rock and roll revival concert at Wembley Stadium um, in London. And he'd been asked if he would possibly be willing to, you know, perform. He hadn't performed in ages. He comes walking out onto that stage and stole the show from every, I mean, from every major uh, act that was, that was there. Wow. So anyway, I just want to say, what a life. 87 years old. Richard Wayne Penniman. He was washing dishes, I think, in Macon, Georgia. And he thought, I don't want to do this. So I just want to say that I'm always just so blown away by people who somehow have the courage to live their lives. Even if there's no blueprint, there's no just to be true to themselves. And he was such a hodgepodge of the, you know, from the religious to the profane. And it was all there in one being. I don't know how you do that. What is this? Barbara, you sent me a Maya Angelou poem? I think it's too long for me to read before I've read it. I mean, I'll read it later. Thank you. Um, what else do I got here? What else do I got? I know that's incorrect uh, grammatically, by the way. Just so you know, I know. Okay. Uh, I've had this like, I, I, well, I don't want to get too heavy, but it, it, yes, I, I have been having disquieting thoughts about where we're heading, um, given that we're a ship without a rudder. Um, and now that we know that the virus is um, in the White House <laughs> in more ways than one. Um, I just, I mean, I don't know. My, my, my head's been racing about, you know, what if, what if. It's a bad thing to do in these times because anything is possible. And things that were unimaginable now are totally imaginable but i again i'm almost more concerned about the people who worship donald trump um who follow his orders who aid and abet him than i am with him and I'm thinking if he were to get this thing, and if he were to die, 
that these lunatics, the same lunatics who are, you know, his, his base, I can see, you know, the conspiracy theories immediately that he was killed. Uh, and a Pence gets taken down, too. I mean, I, I am starting to uh, worry <coughs> about true chaos and violence. I am being something that we could potentially be heading into with this, um, you know, almost riots at Olive Gardens and uh, Red Lobsters and ice cream shops, uh, notwithstanding, this is a country that is on um, just, just one little spark away from, I, I get that feeling. And and I find that um, scary. Timothy Egan, that changed the subject. Um, wrote a just devastating piece in the New York Times, and I learned some very interesting history um, from reading it. And I'm about to pass that on to you. Okay, the year 1847. Um, this country is still obviously young. And uh, across the Atlantic Ocean in 1847, the Irish were starving. Not for the first time. Um, but there was, I'm not sure if that was the potato famine or one of, but in 1847, the plight of the Irish became known to members of the Choctaw Nation. Native Americans. I don't know where the Choctaw, is that like around Oklahoma area? 1847, imagine this. Native, a Native American tribe hearing about the Irish dying sent money sent relief money across an ocean that many of them I'm sure never even seen to the Irish. And while I had never heard this, the Irish know this. And the Irish never forgot what the Choctaw Nation did. This hand across the ocean from a people that themselves were beleaguered 
So this is what's so amazing. The Irish are now sending financial assistance to Native American tribes here that have been obviously struggling with this pandemic made even worse by the incompetence of the American government. So think of that. Like 170 plus years later, the Irish, with their long memory, say, now we can pay that back. And they are sending relief to Native Americans in the United States. Timothy Egan called it a a boomerang of goodwill. But he went on to say, but it also shows how the country that Donald Trump promised to make great again has never in its history seemed so pitiful. And we are, the headline of this piece is all across the globe, they are taking pity on America. Now, I doubt that because my guess is the reaction around the globe to our predicament is more akin to schadenfreude. Oh, look how the exceptional mighty have fallen. That's my guess. We who have strutted so proudly around the globe, now brought low by our own hand, And Timothy Egan starts pointing out just how low we have fallen. We have here in the United States just 5% of the world's population. Yet we have a full third of the sick in this pandemic. We're 5% of the global population and a third of the sick. If you look globally, the average death rate in this pandemic is for every million people, 34 will die. But that's not the number here. In the United States, it's six times higher. Out of every uh, it's it's six times higher. I'm blanking on my numbers here. South Korea and the US both reported 
um, their first cases of, of COVID-19 at the, on the same date, third week of January. South Korea immediately jumped on it. We did not. We have no leadership. We denied. We did nothing for almost two months. And so by the end of last month, new cases in South Korea are down to less than 10 a day here. 25,000 a day. 10 in Korea. 25,000 a day in the United States. Both countries finding out the virus was in their borders on the same date. Just a little more on this. And I guess this, the thing that is just so mind-blowing is that this is a country. This is why we used to walk around so proud of ourselves. This is a country that turned out eight combat aircraft every hour at the peak of World War II. And now we can't even produce enough simple cotton nasal swabs to test. A country, we, that once showed the world how to combat disease, to defeat we who defeated polio. That happened right here in Pittsburgh. We now promote quack remedies. We have a president who suggests somehow mainlining Lysol or something. We are um, a nation um, to be pitied. We have a failed federal government. We are the laughing stock of the world. So when you feel you're in a nightmare, it's because you are. I'm seeing that I had a call. I can't tell if that's a new caller. If that's a new caller, hello, and you're still if you're still there. Hello, man. Yes, hello. And I'm I'm seeing it's also eleven o'clock. I'm sorry. I didn't see that you were there. Uh no, no so, problem. Well I was gonna I, I was gonna try to keep it light, but <laughs> you uh, I got a little dark the there. Apocalyptic, yeah, I, I, apocalyptic I rant. Uh so I, in return to perhaps just a bit of lightness, in okay. keeping, keeping with the earlier tone of the show. Uh, and to avoid closing out on a massive downer, uh, okay. I'll, I'll go with a few bon mots. Uh, so 
I imagine Wendy, it's a safe bet that Wendy Bell and her family were uh, visiting that Olive Garden uh, in Cranberry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I doubt it. <laughs> See, it seems appropriate. She seems like an Uber Karen. Um, what else? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, um, you know, old Pittsburgh restaurants that, you know, were, were you know, virtual institutions that have disappeared. Uh, I visited one this past Friday, um, not a restaurant per se, just a takeout place. Um, Ruby's Subs in Monroeville, mm-hmm. which I don't think I've uh, frequented in 30 years, mm-hmm. uh, but which I used to enjoy quite a bit as a, as a kid and adolescent. Um, so I actually went there to pick up uh, some submarine sandwiches. Um, have to say it's the same old Ruby's. Uh, I don't think anything's been repaired or replaced in the past <laughs> three decades. Well, that's good. You know, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it looks exactly the same. Uh, smells kind of like old shoe leather, but the sandwiches were absolutely delicious. So, <laughs> Yeah, really. Uh, you know, the good old uh, small, regular places, those are the places you want to actually be supporting, but you're also going to get the best food there, without a doubt. In a sense. In a sense, uh, I got to visit Italy this this past year. Uh, I went to uh, Italy, got the, the and, and France. But uh, uh, so Rudy's actually kind of is like a taste of Italy because, like Italy, it's just clean enough to be barely healthy, but dirty enough to be charming. So, okay. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. With apologies to any Italians in the audience. Okay. <laughs> You're out of here. I know. I know. But yes, I hear you. I hear you. Hey, thank you. And thank you for the attempt to turn things back around. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, you went from light to way dark. I know. I couldn't help it. I, I, you know, I can, I can only stay light for so long. We, We were in total eclipse material there. I mean. Yeah, so there's a lot. There's there's a lot of that going, you know, going on. We really are in a pretty yeah. bleak period. Um, yeah, we're 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 pretty much fucked. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. enough. Not goodbye. Not I got. Not I'm gonna go. I, let's go. We gotta Bye-bye. stop this. Okay. Goodbye. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, we gotta. I'm sorry. And you know what else happened? I finished my damn impossible crossword. Not crossword. But jigsaw puzzle that didn't even have a picture to follow and was, you know, and when you finish it, you solve a, 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 a mystery. Um, and I, I don't have anything to do. Oh, well, I'll sit and scowl out my window at this grayness. That's what I'm going to do now. And um, I hope you have a better idea for the rest of your day. I really do. Uh, So uh, join me tomorrow, and uh, Susan will be here, and maybe she'll be a little more upbeat. I don't know. Everything is, God knows, possible. Have a good one. Stay safe. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com.
The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisements.